Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast, and the global community rallied around it. During this episode, I had the honor to spend time with a healthcare visionary who has dedicated his 30-year career to leading disruptive medical technology companies and shepherding a global movement to transform healthcare to precision health. Kevin Ruzovsky is the chairman and CEO of Quanterix and the founder and chairman of Powering Precision Health and is regarded by his peers as a pioneer in his industry. Because of Kevin's leadership, he has accelerated the adoption and value creation of many game-changing, non-invasive, early detection technologies for oncology, neurodegeneration, and cardiology, which has transformed drug development and disease prevention. While together, Kevin also shared his passions outside of his pioneering work, as well as how his professional journey has positioned him to help lead his globally recognized organizations. Additionally, Kevin outlined how his teams are well positioned to help with the global battle against COVID-19. I can't wait for you to get to know Kevin and experience the passion and determination he has to make our world a healthier place. It is because of leaders like Kevin that I remain incredibly confident we will conquer crises like the coronavirus pandemic by rallying around leaders like Kevin and by doing it together. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Kevin, welcome to our podcast being recorded from my house in Denver, Colorado in a makeshift podcast studio I threw together as we continue to shelter in place during the coronavirus pandemic. Great to be here, Mike. Well, Kevin, it's great to have you here. And man, do we have a lot to cover today on the podcast, given your incredibly important and needed work, both at Quanterix and Powering Precision Health, especially during these trying times with the COVID-19 pandemic. I know we have a lot to discuss, but before we dive in to your inspiring work and mission, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas with our guests and to interact with the global community. Lastly, please subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Kevin, it's almost time to discuss how you and your team are shepherding a global movement to transform healthcare to precision health. But first, let's take a moment to break the ice a bit so our community can get to know you personally. I'm going to select a question here, one that came up. What is one thing that you like to do outside of your pioneering work? Great question, Mike. I'm an Ohio State Buckeye, and because of that, it's got to have to do with the Buckeyes. We love to go to uh, football games to watch the Buckeyes, but most importantly, love family, and we do a lot of sports like fishing and golfing and things of that nature. Just uh, from the Midwest, but been on the East Coast for the last, um, I would say, you know, 25 years trying to really advance healthcare. So we're very much from the heart of the country, but clearly, we love our Buckeyes. Well, we're going to stay on that. I'm so glad you brought it up. I actually had my notes to talk about the Buckeyes in your time at Ohio State, but you already beat me to the punch. Quick side story for you, Kevin. I was fortunate enough years ago, I was a field goal kicker in college, and I trained a gentleman by the name of Mike Nugent. 
And I was able to start training him. Yeah. When he was about a eighth grader and then going into high school. And I remembered, I think he weighed all of maybe 110 pounds when I first started coaching him. And then, wow, what talent that he turned into while playing for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and he's actually a New England Patriot for about three games this, this past season. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. No, he had a wonderful career. I was fortunate enough when he was playing there, I went out and saw a game. It was a night game against University of Washington. It was a 7 p.m. kickoff. Kevin, I can't make up what I'm about to tell you. And I was staying at his place at his apartment and his roommate is not a football player. And he comes banging on the door at 6 a.m. Now, remember, the game was at 7 p.m. He says, get up, Mike. And I said, what are we waking up for? He goes, we got to go tailgating. And I said, the game's in 13 hours. He goes, yeah, I know we're late. (laughs) That's the way it works, pal, right there. Yeah, Kevin, what an amazing place to see a game. The horseshoe, incredible. The energy, the passion that you guys have as fans for your Buckeyes. It's a sight to be seen, that's for sure. No doubt. It's quite a spectacle. uh, It's the center and the heart of everything that goes on in the state of Ohio. Well, it's good stuff, and and hopefully we'll be able to have some sort of football season coming up in the fall. But let's start turning gears here a bit, Kevin. We have a lot to cover today on the podcast. The work that you are involved in, the movement that you have created, incredibly inspiring. But, you know, Kevin, one just doesn't become the leader of a publicly traded company overnight. I know it took a lot to get to where you are today. And I know our community loves to learn from leaders like you how you got there, what the journey has been like. Can you take us back a bit, Kevin, and how you got to where you are today and leading the movement that you are? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think each of us as people, we all have some level of talent. The challenge is getting discovered with what your talent is and then to develop your talents in a way that can help, you know, improve the world. And I've just been blessed with so many people over the years that saw something in me that I never even saw in myself. But basically, you know, I've always been a guy that tries to to lead through the greatness of other people. And I know a lot of people say those things, but not having a PhD and not being, you know, a deep scientist, I'm actually a mechanical engineer with an MBA, but over the course, starting with DuPont, you know, I, I ended up getting thrown into some very high level positions running pretty significant businesses that, you know, like Teflon and other high tech businesses that always had all these PhDs around me. And I was always the person that was trying to learn from them. And then what was great about this was, I didn't even realize it, but because I didn't have all that degree and understanding that they did, I was able to become somewhat of a layperson voice, which how you translate these great scientific advances into the real world is sometimes a big issue. Many great inventions never make it because they can't translate it into the financial world. They can't translate into the consumer worlds. And so it's really over the years, you know, working at many high-tech companies, it's always been about how can we change the headlines of the world with the science that these incredible people behind the scenes are innovating and achieving But how do we apply it to something that can really help the world advance and make all of us as people better off because of it so that we actually give more than we take? And so that kind of simple philosophy has served me incredibly well. I've had so many people that have been willing to keep me buoyed up and surround me and work with me and and, and save me because, you know, the only thing we do is we move very fast. We want to get technology to move headlines very quickly and how you catch the wave 
the momentum of a situation in the world, it's paramount that you really pace the organization and teach the organization how the pace is important because you got to catch that wave when you're riding a surfboard and the pace of how you evolve a technology and an innovation that disrupts the world is as important as the actual disruption. And so linking into the real world with the right timing is paramount. And we're going to talk about that wave that you definitely are riding and will continue to do so, Kevin. But I still want to go back. I think, you know, there's a lot of innovators and startup founders that listen to this podcast. And I try to share with the ones that I advise personally that when you are working with large organizations, do take the opportunity to use that time for your own personal development and education. Kevin, how influential was your almost 10 years at DuPont earlier in your career? How influential was that time at a global company like DuPont, and how did that set you up for success for today? Well, it was incredible because there was so much opportunity, and I had a burning in my stomach to use whatever talents I could you know, engender to do whatever I could to make an impact. That was kind of the way I was raised in Ohio, was to truly use your talents. God gave you your talents. Your gift back to God is using them. So trying to discover yourself in a big company like that, and even Ohio State being a, one of the largest universities in the world, very bureaucratic. And it's how do you get into these situations and really have an impact? And I did have a lot of schooling, always was good in school, but I felt and learned that people really want to relate at their heart level, not just at their mind level. So, you know, people don't typically care how much you know until they know how much you care. So. Those were the rules I applied. And it was interesting. I got like 10 different jobs over 10 years in DuPont because they kept moving me from job to job. And each time they moved me, they were giving me more responsibility and throwing me into something that I had no clue how to do. And then that required me to use the people to team up with the people around me to help me. And that ended up firing them up that I knew how to be a leader. But yet it was just really luck in a way that I was thrown into high tech situations that I needed the people. And the more they felt I needed them, the more they were willing to help because they knew what we were doing was to try to improve the world. So we went from a whole lot of different positions from manufacturing to R&D, then I moved into commercial and then finally um, management. And I think that all helped me you know, really see the world in a very interesting way. And then I went to smaller companies. FMC was about one-tenth the size of DuPont, ran the pharmaceutical business, pharmaceutical and technology there, as well as your agricultural chemicals, learning more about how these technologies can affect the world. And then I went even smaller the last 20 years into smaller companies, and we started acquiring companies and building them up. So I've been blessed to be a CEO for over 20 years, um, from small companies to mid-size the larger and being on a lot of boards teaches me too, you know, how these companies get governed. And many times I think boards can ruin a company or they can make a company. And so over the years, learned a lot about boardroom politics, but yet how do you really move headlines with companies and be a board member and really be supportive of the management that really probably knows the most about what's going on? So we, I think, had the blessing to be you know, exposed to a lot of different situations that prepares you for your next situation. And I think that's the key for me is to always realize what you're moving into next. You won't be prepared for it. It's kind of like a lobster. They can only grow when they shed their shell. 
And they can only grow then when they're most vulnerable, meaning that you're moving into something you don't know what it is, but you try to take all your past practices and what you've learned and apply it so that you can be the best you can be in the new situation you're moving into. So lobsters shed the shell very you know, open to prey as a result of it, but they can't grow without that. So I realize as a human, I don't have all the answers but those around me may. And so how do we deploy these ecosystems to try to further evolve science to affect the world? It's kind of really based on my my history of really needing to team up with others to collaborate. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. And it's an important message for all of us to understand that it is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Matter of fact, Kevin, I think you can agree with me that overnight success always happens many, many years later. Matter of fact, your 30-year career to leading disruptive in medical technology companies and shepherding a global movement to transform healthcare to precision health has set you up to be a global leader in creating this global movement and also how that movement and leadership is now directly impacting in a positive way what we're currently battling as a world against COVID-19. So, Kevin, let's start diving in. We have two big areas we want to cover today, both on the Quanteric side and Powering Precision Health. I'll let you take it from there. Share with us because, you know, I know you've been at it for almost six years with Quanterics and over six years with Powering Precision Health. Let's talk about both of those. And then also let's then fold into how your work today is helping making a positive impact as we battle COVID-19 together around the world. Absolutely. All interrelated, Mike. You know, every business that I've run, I've always basically reached into the marketplace and tried to say, what is it that if we can do it, it can change the world in a positive way? And can we use that vision and that learning that we get from those markets to then create a mission-based business where we can really inform everyone in the business how it is what they're doing adds up to changing major headlines to improve the world. And so we've always started with a mission-based, and so we would always build an ecosystem of a lot of the top thought leaders in the landscape, some of the top innovators, policymakers, in this case of PPH, it's, it's FDA, it's government officials. It's all of the top medical practitioners around the world for cancer, for neurodegeneration, Alzheimer's, and now COVID. But it's also bringing in the investors because they got to finance these things. And so we build somewhat of an ecosystem of all the top influencers that can truly open up the pathways that you need to open up if you're going to try to do something big for the world. And then once the ecosystem is established, you then take learnings from that ecosystem and apply it to the business. And that sometimes leads to you acquiring other companies to fulfill what it is you know is missing. And in the case of PPH, we created a vision that if we could see inside the body at a level of sensitivity that no one else in the world could, the, the blood is a Trevor trove of information. There's six quarts that travel 60,000 miles every 10 minutes in the body. That six quarts of red substance is a Trevor trove of information. If we can apply rocket science to the blood, it's probably going to teach us some of the most leading edge opportunities of how we can go after cancer and eradicate it, how we can go after concussions and neurodegeneration, Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's, MS, and actually someday not only treat it, but prevent it with the way we live our lives because environmental factors many times are the biggest triggers. The, the things we eat, the way we live our lives, the way we exercise, 
the way we interact with with bad substances like smoking and things of that nature, all of that leads to what makes your body up. And so the current movement in PPH is all about biomarkers, highly sensitive biomarkers that allow you to see in blood almost at a level that you could see a grain of sand in 2,000 Olympic-sized swimming pool or a single blade of grass in a field the size of Alaska. That's the level of capability that other industries have created that you could apply to the blood and create incredible biomarker analysis. And what we learned there was to see Alzheimer's 16 years before dementia leads to the possibility of, of a cure for Alzheimer's. Because if drug companies can get to diseases really early stage when they're like a match in the body versus a, a forest fire, they can blow those matches out with drugs at lower dose, which makes the drugs lower toxicity and higher efficacy. So we've really evolved a lot of treatment analysis around seeing inside the body and being able to see disease long before symptoms. We call it asymptomatic health care. And by getting to these diseases very early with biomarkers, you lead to incredible new FDA-approved treatments because it's easier for the drug to get approved for both efficacy and toxicity. And then second stage of PPH is how to use those same biomarkers to make sure that when you do things in your life, how's it affecting you? If you're getting a CAT scan that's got 400 times the radiation of a chest X-ray for a, a traumatic brain injury, are you put, setting yourself up for brain cancer? We now know there's 31,000 brain cancers annually in the United States. It's somewhat an epidemic with brain cancer because of the overuse of CAT scans. So the ability to see biomarkers and know how different things we do in life, sugar, another great example, we're all kind of addicted to processed sugars. We can see the issues that that creates and the obesity, and we're even seeing with COVID right now, those that are obese are probably more at risk. And that sugar cascade and having policies that say corn is somewhat of a free substance with corn subsidies, and now corn syrup is almost a free ingredient to the food industry. These are things that cause companies in the food industry to make chips that you can't eat just one and they think it's a great thing but yet it creates obesity which then leads to biomarker out of whack which leads then to the need for treatments and so our movement in PPH is all about getting the technologies that can actually unearth these biomarkers in the body so we can see all this long before we're in harm's way of the disease and and this is really the ecosystem that's allowed Quanterix we've acquired a couple companies the technology has continued to evolve. We're the best now in the world at CNN blood biomarkers for heart disease, for cancer, for Alzheimer's, for MS, Parkinson's, and now COVID-19. Wow. I am fired up, Kevin. I'm going to go put my helmet on right now from my Stanford football days. I'm ready to run through some walls for you. My goodness, this is inspiring work. Thank you for that. So let's start talking about that. Let's talk about now Quanterix as well. What is happening on that side of the aisle for you, Kevin? And where are you applying what's happening with the organization to COVID-19 as well? The the simplest thing to say, Mike, is, is that when the world started to feel the trauma three months ago, four months ago, starting in China, That's when we started to say, my gosh, there's a worldwide potential pandemic. Let's start to really fire up and catalyze and turn the engine on our PPH ecosystem toward COVID. And as the time went on, we started to learn that the virus attacks the innate immune system. That's why you have cytokine storms and you can see big issues with people dying from pneumonia 
when their immune system lights off and basically attacks their body and creates pneumonia. Well, we have the biomarkers that can measure cytokines and see the storm before it hits. And so it's almost like radar. So the first thing we did was we went into all the hot zones and had the doctors in France, Italy, Spain, China, places where this was really at epidemic levels and you had so many patients in ICU. We had them teach us on a podcast how they're measuring these cytokines with these biomarker technologies and being able to predict the cytokine storm before it happens to take patients out of harm's way and then what drugs can interact with the immune system to save them. So there's a lot of that activity going on. We had a podcast that lasted about an hour with many of those leaders. And then we learned that serology is now the big thing is it's shifted as the economic global crisis is now hitting. We think that most people eventually are going to shift from, I hope I don't have it because of the lethalness of COVID to, I sure hope I had it because of the antibodies that I would have created to protect me from ever getting it. And I can go back to work and be productive. So now we're moving into serology with this exquisite sensitivity to be able to see these antibodies that ways no one else can and and to quantitate it. And we're working with the FDA to try to get an emergency use authorization for deploying some of the most advanced serology assays because many of them today, unfortunately, are creating false positives where they're reading antibodies from viruses maybe five to 10 years ago, previous SARS or previous MERS. So having the specificity to know it's for this corona 19 is very important, and our sensitivity is allowing dilution to enable incredible specificity. So we're rolling out those tests so we can look at both the innate immune system with the cytokines and the adaptive immune system with the serology and the antibodies. And we also think we can see in the blood to look for the actual viral antigen with our sensitivity. And today, most of these tests are done through nasal swabs as opposed to simple blood tests, which would prevent all of the concern around personal protective equipment if you could take simple blood tests versus these nasal swabs, which puts everyone at risk and all the healthcare professionals. So we know that different parts of the world, like Sweden, have gone for what's called the, the herd immunity, where they actually encourage people to interact, interrelate and stay at work. And now they're, they think they're as much as 30% immune now to the future coronavirus, where other parts of the world are only 5%. But yet the death rate in Sweden hasn't been that big for that level of immunity. So we're looking to run studies worldwide through PPH to take the best learnings of practices around the world with the top-notch serology test so that junk in doesn't lead to junk out. We want high-precision fidelity data going in so that when we process and create policy for the world, it's being done in a way that we know we're doing what's good. When we hire all these contact tracers, we want to make sure they're tracing the real virus, not something that was a false positive or a false negative. So we're very concerned that if we don't get good serology tests around the world immediately, we could actually propagate the disease by thinking someone is protected, put them back to work, but yet they're still infecting others. It can be that bad if the use cases and the tests are not precise and and high fidelity. So we want to do everything we can with our PPH ecosystem now and then utilizing the Quanterics technologies to apply this sensitivity to bring a whole new suite, kind of like the Google map of seeing the body. With Google Maps at high resolution, you can almost zoom in on a house and read the house number. But the old paper maps, which is the way many old serology rapid tests are, can't allow you to do any of that kind of high resolution. 
So when you can look down in the body and get that kind of specificity, you can then get good data to inform good public policy. And that's a lot of where we're headed now. And so at the highest level, Mike, I think that we've got a lot of people pulling for us to try to help the world do something that is hard. It's very hard to integrate science into public policy. And that's really what made us. We've been doing this for 30 years, and we think that these ecosystems that are made up of not only the top scientists, but policymakers, as well as investors that can fund things, as well as the top innovators, we think those are the places where we can get the most advanced acceleration of policy that could really help the world. Well, thank you for that, Kevin, and talking about the science and how you're, you know, giving it to the world to help battle COVID-19. But I actually want to turn to the soft side, the fuzzy side of your leadership and your business. What I have been so impressed by over the past couple of months as COVID-19 has really taken over the world and is now a full-blown pandemic is how leaders like you have quickly pivoted their organizations to then go and attack head on this pandemic. Can you talk about from your perspective with both PPH and Quanterix, how did you pull it off coming from the CEO, the chairman? What was it like for your team members, your colleagues, that message that you were sharing? I know a lot in our community are are also really interested in how leaders like you are quickly pivoting and addressing the crisis at hand. How did you go about it culturally? Yeah, you know, it's a pretty important question. And, and I think this having an ecosystem that's very relevant to guiding what really is important for the world so that we stay focused on what's most important, that's one piece of it. Another piece of it is we work real hard to connect our companies to that ecosystem. And the word trust is one of the highest level words that I would use. We try to accelerate the trust and that has to be earned. But how can you accelerate trust? and Having accountability is key to that trust and building teamwork. And I think that the ability to be very open and honest about information and almost going after the elephant in the room and shocking and awing everybody with the the very open ability that you have to be, you know, transparent. We actually call AT&T squared. So it's A and three T. So it's accountability, teamwork, trust, and then transparency. We kind of connect that company to the PPHE's ecosystem, and we apply those same policies in both. And by doing so, when something like this happens in the world, it's very easy to tell the, the ecosystem why it is you're focusing on it, because the world is doing that for you. The public headlines are telling the ecosystem what is it that's important, and then that quickly translates into the organization and the companies because the trust that we've all engendered. And our people in our company are just amazing. Where I grew up in Ohio, I would tell you Shadyside, Ohio and Blair, St. John's. I I grew up with people that just cared about people. They're the best and most kind of warriors I've ever met. They put their heads down and they just get the job done. And I think that we have that everywhere you look inside the ecosystem and inside of Quanterix. They're warriors. They'll work weekends 24-7 to try to meet the mission of doing something for the world. And never have we seen the kind of enemy that we're seeing here. Many of the political leaders talk about being a kind of an invisible enemy. I think it's actually pretty visible when you start looking in the hospitals to see how deadly and lethal this thing is. And so we actually see a lot of evidence of this. And we are scientists, so we're looking at data. And we're trying to create the best data because, again, scientists that create bad data could mislead bad policy. So 
the key first is to have high precision data. Our founder founded Illumina, so we got some of the top scientists, David Walt and others, on our board as well as in our ecosystem that are really pristine, trying to ensure the pristineness of data. But how you translate it into the real world can get very complicated. And so that storytelling is so important in how to translate the deep science into practical, common practices. And you listen to the governor in New York right now, Cuomo, he's telling a lot of stories. You listen to our president, he tells a lot of stories. Everyone's trying to create a way to capture the hearts and let people see in to what this data can really be and bring and make it you know, more common sense. It's very easy to get misled. Like Theranos had some big issues where they thought they could do something with the innovation, but there wasn't a lot of third-party validation. In our case, the PPH ecosystem's got 700 third-party peer-reviewed validations of the technology wow. of the top doctors in the world. So it's a cooperation. It's a collaboration with them. But then it's to move the narrative to where it really can make an impact. And that full translation requires a village. And that's where I think the ecosystem and having Quanterix immersed in it creates a village that allows us to move quickly into relevance. So we'd like to pivot to relevance and, and have an organization that's flexible enough, almost like minnows. I'm a fisherman, so you can see like thousands of minnows and a predator comes and they all move almost in unison away from the predator. How in the heck? Can they move like that? There's a, a chemical balance that allows them to make those quick moves. We like to think of ourselves as a school of minnows. When we need to be moving towards a new issue, we're able to do that, but in unison and in alignment with a lot of harmony, and we support each other. It's a can-doism. So we, we don't have, like, blamers. We call it radical blame equity. We try to get in there. People are going to point the fingers at others. There's no room for that. we got to be supportive and try to move forward with a can-do mission. So I, I think we just got great people around us that are willing to buy into some of this kind of methodology. And once you have that, man, it's just such a, it's, you, just, you can't stop. It's so energizing. So we have people working on their birthdays. We worked on Easter almost the whole day, our whole team. I mean, that's how passionate they are. So it's one of those things that the energy feeds on itself. And, and if it can stay aligned to business headlines and global headlines that can help the world, you really got something. Well, let's stay on that as well. Let's dive in on this future work with PPH and Quanterix and talking about that mission forward. Kevin, what do you see in the next, you know, I usually ask guests, what do you see? How do you see the world in the next one to three, three to five years? That is now compressed. We don't even know what next week is going to look like during this pandemic. But Kevin, with your work with both organizations, where do you see things heading in the next kind of three to six months or six to 12 months or even 12 to 18 months? Where do you see things heading? Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, Mike. I'd like to just draw a picture for you. We've used this analogy over the years. We, we had an organization called Revolutionaries for Global Health for 10 years prior to Pirating Precision Health. So it's kind of re, re-evolved um, as Pirating Precision Health. But the vision we created, if you're in outer space looking down, you see all these islands. And, and what you don't realize is that if you could drain the oceans, what you realize is that those islands are connected. And, and we actually think biomarkers, when you start to see things below the waterline, like on an iceberg, when you can see this sensitivity, like a huge magnifying glass, you're starting to see things that you couldn't see before. And you start to realize that these islands are connected, that, you know, problems with the brain are connected to problems with the heart, are connected to problems with viruses and the immune system. And what we've learned about the body is that the immune system is all interconnected. 
and it's trying to fight anything that's going to invade uh, health. So in a way, our PPH is an ecosystem that is an immune system, and we're applying all of our antibodies towards the issue that we see. And the issue we see right now is the immune system. <laughs> so we've got so much of our world ecosystem and PPH focusing on the immune system, trying to annotate it. And I think getting it into the cloud through um, AI, some of the AI big data algorithms, so that we can start to see very high fidelity data in ways that no one could see before because it wasn't being brought up into the cloud at a population level. I think we're going to see that there's different strategies being employed around the world for different drug regimens, different policies, practices, hygiene approaches. We would like to see some scientific studies now that can start to put a lot of that into perspective so that we can start to think about how to get this pandemic behind us. But more importantly, it's going to come back. How can we prepare the world for the next round of the virus that's going to get somewhere innovators, thousands of viruses that could someday find their, their way into society? How can we prepare ourselves based on this particular pandemic to be better at this and to get the science honed in faster so we as a race, a human race, can protect ourselves from it? And I agree with you. We kind of think about everything in dog years instead of human years. Everything's sped up at least sevenfold and maybe 15-fold. We see the FDA is doing things with serology and antigen testing for viruses and days it used to take months or, or years. And so I think the speed is also a, a big advantage if it's, if it's fueled with great scientific data, high-fidelity data. But speed can actually work against you if you make quick moves that are based on bad data. And so that's what we want to protect against right now, getting high-fidelity data into some AI algorithms that we can then learn from those and then teach the world through common talk what this could mean for all of us to get out of harm's way. We don't want anyone dying from Corona-19. This is you know, a, a really lethal disease. For, you know, it's 100 times more contagious than the flu, but it's 100 times less prevalent than the common flu. <laughs> so if you get it, it's much more severe, but it, there's very few getting it. Although with serology, we might find out that, you know, 10 to 100 times more people have gotten it than, than we thought, but they didn't have any symptoms. And how they got it, the dosing of the infection that they got, did they get it through their nose or did they breathe it through their mouth? All of those things are um, PPH is starting to learn can affect the severity of the disease. And having the ability to measure the immune systems, both innate and adaptive, gives this insight that really needs to be, I think, brought into big data. So my big call out going forward is how we start to connect this in a very important way to algorithms that can teach us what this high fidelity data is, is unearthing with you know every test that's done around the world on blood. And let's get that amassed and learn from it. Yeah. And for our community listening in, thank you for that, Kevin. You can learn more over at passionatepioneers.com. We'll have a bunch of links to all of the things that Kevin has been discussing on this episode today. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com, there will be an entire article and publication around this episode with those resources. So Kevin, let's flip the script a bit. Let's lean on the community. As you know, uh, this is now a nationally recognized, globally recognized healthcare innovation podcast with amazing amazing minds rallied around it. What is one problem, need, or question that you or your organizations have that our community can contemplate or help you with or make some connections? What's one problem, need, or question that you or your organizations have? 
Yeah, you know, I would say that what we are doing is so disruptive, Mike. It's almost like magical. And and I know Theranos, when they first started doing the finger prick and created a lot of fanfare, a $10 billion valuation, there was like this un- unbelievable belief that if you can prevent having to say goodbye to some loved one by knowing earlier that they've got themselves in harm's way of the disease long before their symptoms, such a fascination that I think everyone in the world believes in. And, and I give Theranos a lot of credit for that vision. The fulfillment of that vision, though, requires a lot of hard work, a lot of blocking and tackling around innovation with some of the top leaders in the world to be able to actually see with exquisite sensitivity into the blood to achieve the things that we're able to achieve. And as these third-party peer-reviewed publications from some of the best doctors in the world that are using the technology start writing it up, how we spread that faster and get that platform established so that we allow PPH and that immune system that it represents of scientists that can translate into real-world business and real-world issues that we're trying to confront, how we further evolve that PPH ecosystem and make it well-known and have it affect agencies like the FDA and the CDC, where right now there's tests that I think could help the world that haven't been approved yet, and how we break through into those agencies with a lot of credibility sometimes requires influence of people that have already established credibility that those agencies are looking to that believe in. So anyone that can further help us evolve our regulatory side of getting these tests that we believe are a very high fidelity to be utilized in clinical settings so that we ensure and we improve the ability to get good data going into the thinking that goes into policymaking. That would be my ask. And, and Mike, I don't know what your reach is, but you seem like a pretty exciting guy. You seem like you're running a pretty impressive podcast here. So I hope your reach does get to some people that can help us advance into the clinic quicker, some of these technologies. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. I'm just the guy with the microphone here. Where the kudos goes to are the amazing leaders from around the world that are rallying around this. And we do have the reach. And when I say we, it's this powerful powerful community. So to everyone uh, that is rallied around the podcast, again, head over to passionatepioneers.com, jump in there, share some ideas and thoughts for Kevin and the team. There will be a bunch of resources uh, outlined there to click through, learn more, and to offer up some opportunity to continue to push both PPH and Quanterics forward. As you can hear it, Kevin is very, very passionate and incredibly dedicated to solving these problems that we're currently battling. So thank you for that, Kevin. We're going to wrap it up here. We have a fill in the blank for you. And it's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Here it is. I'm a passionate pioneer because I'm blessed to be surrounded with some of the best people in the world that have my back and they care deeply for the world. I just happen to be in the center of such great people that I'm just blessed. Well, Kevin, I know how busy you are. I know the movement that you've created around the world and it's growing and growing rapidly. It's my hope and goal and mission to continue to bring our community over to yours to continue to help you meet that mission. So, Kevin, thank you on behalf of our podcast and the global community that has rallied around it for spending time with us today and sharing your story and sharing the passion you have to continue to help make the world a better place. Thank you for all that you do, Kevin, and thank you for being here today. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for doing what you do, pal.
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.